Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Well, bless you this morning. Good to see everybody. I mentioned that Pastor Bill shared last week for Easter. If you weren't here, you missed a good lesson. Uh, He did an awesome job explaining how Christ and the cross is and was a direct connection to the Passover from the book of Exodus. How the Hebrews would be protected or saved, if you may, by having the blood over them and the lamb in them. He tied that into the Last Supper that when Jesus had met with his disciples, as he foretold them all that would happen to him. It's prophetic, but it's foretelling. It's prophetic because it's talking about something in the future, but, but it's a little different with Christ. He's foretelling them. It's, it's, not a, it's not a prophetic word that may or may happen or that might happen. It's a foretelling. We can't, we can't always foretell because we don't know that tomorrow's promised. We don't know. The story of uh, the rich man who's building his barns, he doesn't know. And he, and he finds out he's not there tomorrow to enjoy them. But Jesus knows. And he is foretelling them at the Last Supper. He told them all that would happen to him. And then Pastor Bill shared with communion how Jesus took the bread. And he explained that it represented his body broken for them and for us. And he took the cup and... He filled it with the wine and had them drink it as an example of his blood shed for them that now would be in them. And this morning, I want us to continue to celebrate Easter. Uh, I would rather it not be just a noted day on a calendar or even a celebration that we observe and just move on from like we've we've recorded a check mark on our to-do list. Church is guilty of this, I think. We, we, We have our holidays and we just kind of move through but today I want to hold on to Easter a little bit some things that Pastor Bill shared last week or something that he shared specifically stuck with me it was a statement he had heard somewhere that resonated with him and then with me and I hope today resonates with you as well he said if a man publicly predicted his death on a cross and also his resurrection from the grave after three days And then he did just that. We probably ought to listen to him. So having said that, I would like us to hang on to Easter just one more week here and really take a look at what Jesus said and what he did. Open your Bibles, if you will, to to John 12. John chapter 12 this morning. And I would like to read verses 23 through 36. And Jesus answered them saying, 
The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him or her. You want to be honored this morning? Serve Jesus. Verse 27. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. And others were saying that an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said this. This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon the world now. The ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death that he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons and daughters of the light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away, and he hid himself from them. Let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you that you are a God of your word. That what you speak, you mean, and what you mean, you speak. And just like the world's creation, Lord, you spoke it and it was. And so, Lord, we, we listen to your word this morning. We hear from you. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and our minds with your word this morning that we may live this life and live it victoriously as you have called us to, in Jesus' name. If a man predicts his own death on a cross and then predicts his resurrection will take place in three days, and then both of these predictions come true, John 12, 32, and it says, And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. And you guys have probably heard me say this before. There's just a lot going on in a lot of different churches and I'm certainly not here to cast any stones. We are growing. We have much to learn. But I grieved with the fact that a lot of God's people are looking to entertainment and looking to other means to bring people to Christ or get them in the sanctuary or in the church. And Christ is never lifted up in the process. And it breaks our hearts. It's this simple if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. And we've talked about in here in past sermons that the way we do that is the example of our life. When we lift him up, it's because we are following him and we are living like him. But specifically, the Bible tells us today that he uses these words to demonstrate the type of death that he will have. If I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men unto myself. If I be put on the cross, I will draw men unto me. If I go and do this mission that my Father has sent me to do, sin will be destroyed, hell will be defeated, and I will draw men and women to me. Turn over, if you will, to John 16. John 16. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you this morning. John 16. I'd like to read verses 1 through 15 this morning. It's okay if you don't have your Bible and you like to listen. I like to read it, so it's all good. John 16, 1 through 15. This is Jesus talking. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. I love that he's concerned for us. I love that he's concerned for them. We know he is a God of compassion. The world will try to make him something different because they don't understand him. The Jews even made him something different because they did not know him. He is a God who cares for you this morning. He does not want you to stumble. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering a service to God. I love one time that I heard that Paul or Saul, if you may. By the way, we can, we can be in the habit of this in the church if we're not careful. Saul was working for God. That's not what God wants. Later, we know Paul does a work of God. God wants us to do a work of him. He doesn't need us to work for him. Somebody say amen. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is, not, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and, con and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Satan has been judged. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and, when he, dis and we, he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. We're going to take that segment aside because Pentecost Sunday is coming. And we'll talk much more about the Holy Spirit, but today we're going to focus on Jesus and what he said. 
So let's get to the crux of that in verse 16. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again in a little while you will see me. Some of the disciples then said to one another, what is this thing he is telling us? A little while and you will not see me. And a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. So they were saying, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wished to question him, and he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this, that I said a little while, and you will not see me, and then again in a little while you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief, grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. Verse 26. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Verse 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and I am leaving the world again, and I'm going to the Father. And his disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, listen, here's what they're saying. By this, we believe you came from God. And Jesus answers them, do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, take courage. He has overcome the world. Do it. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. We'll stop there just for a moment. As we read these verses, we not only see Jesus predicting his own death and resurrection, but he's also foretelling them about other events that will happen as well. Look at verse 20 through 22. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. And that happens. They take him away, and the disciples are stunned. Verse 21, whenever a woman is labor, she has pain, but because her hours come, but when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because the joy that that child has been born into the world. In verse 22, he says, therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. 
exactly what happened. The disciples hide themselves, run, scatter, do everything they can. They cry, they grieve, they lament. But he's coming back to see them. And their heart gets filled with joy. Look at verses 27 through 32. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and come into the world and I am leaving the world again and I am going to the Father. He is basically telling them once again, I'm going to leave and go to the Father. But I will be back. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. Now look at verse 32. Jesus predicts or foretells what will happen to the disciples as well in verse 32. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come and you will be scattered. Each to his own home to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father has with me, is with me. He has told them they're going to scatter. It's as if... It's as if he's telling them things and they're not listening at all. Do you see? I feel like that's us. He's telling us things and we're not listening at all. In verse 33, Jesus then says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will, or you might, you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Remember, we talked about a few weeks ago that Jesus was resolute to go to Jerusalem. And, and we talked about the term that he set his face like flint. It's no secret to Jesus what's going to happen to him. Listen, get this straight. There are some who would have the mindset that, that he's just walking aimlessly as this lamb to slaughter and he has no idea. That's not true. He knows what he is going to do for us. And remember, we read earlier in John 12, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And in 1227, he says this, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. What purpose? What purpose would he come for? John 3.17, the world might be saved through him. You know, we divide things up in the Bible into chapters and verses, and, and while that's good and helpful to us so we can find things and know where they are and be able to search it, and it's somewhat of a, it's somewhat of a, um, a analytical, if you may, in the sense that it's been done. But you know, how many times, how many of you know there are times that you can't take someone's conversation and just start chopping it up and it makes sense? Sometimes you need to read it through and you need to read into the next chapter. And so I would like to do that this morning. Let's start in John 16, 33. And I would like to read all of chapter 17. And this is lengthy, but I think it's important for us to wrap up what Christ said and what he did. Now keep in mind, these are really the last words and teaching of Jesus to his disciples before he is crucified. Now, there are other words he will say when he gets arrested and, and when he's on trial and when he is being crucified, but these are the last words and teachings that he is saying to his disciples. And oftentimes, if someone is going to die or go away or leave for a time, 
their last words tend to be pretty impactful. They have meaning to them. It doesn't mean anything else he said doesn't have meaning, but there's something he's trying to get across to them because he's getting ready to go to the cross and he knows it and he also knows they really still don't understand it. And he's trying to tell them. Let's read uh, 1633 and all of chapter 17. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world will you, ha you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to all whom you have given him, he may have eternal life. And this one's near and dear to Union Street Meeting House. It's on our sign out front. Verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished, now he's speaking to the disciples. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work to which you have given me. He's praying to the Father for the disciples, I should clarify that. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I have given to them and they received them and truly understood that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but to those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world. Listen, he's still in the world. He already knows the results. He already knows the answer. He already knows the accomplishment. And he speaks as if it's accomplished. That's a word for us. When we're in the Spirit, when we're in true fellowship with God and the Spirit is speaking, we need to speak as if it's accomplished. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. And while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you've given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's us. That's us. 
That's us. Jesus has us on His mind as He's going to the cross. It's not just about the apostles or the disciples or His followers then. It's about His followers for all eternity. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. We play a part. We play a role. We have a function in the body. That when we believe, and we follow him. We say yes to Jesus. The world may believe that he was sent. Verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you and me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me. We must be perfected in unity so that the world will know that Jesus is the one. And I'm going to stop here and talk about unity a little bit. I know if you're going to the ladies' conference, I'll give you a little secret here. It's going to be some unity discussion. Listen, this is not uniformity like the world tries to sell us. This is not we're all the same. This is not if you're not the same as me, then you are bad, which is what the world tries to sell. And it's everywhere on all sides. Let's just be real. Maybe maybe more dominant on one side than another. But nonetheless, it's the same. But unity is different. Unity says we're different from each other, but we need each other. Unity says we're not always going to agree, but we love each other enough to stay in fellowship. Unity says I won't always agree even with the words or doctrine that you might teach or say, but I love the Lord enough to stick with you. I love the story of Charles Colson when, when he was caught in the scandal of Watergate with Richard Nixon. And they were like, why would you go to prison for this man? And he simply said, because Richard Nixon was my friend. Now that may not seem like much to you, but that speaks volumes to me. He suffered for his friend. He knew what a friend was. I love that. And of course, if you know who I'm talking about, you know the prison ministry that he went on to establish and how wonderful work he's done. Hallelujah. Somebody help me where I was. 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. He has loved you before the foundation of the world. God has loved him before the foundation of the world and he wants us to be in fellowship with him and Jesus is simply saying, Lord, let them be where I am going to be. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these things known that you have sent, and these have known that you have sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. 
Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. It says that even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that all whom you have given him, he may have eternal life. He's talking about himself. He doesn't use the the word me, but it basically says, even as you have given me authority over all flesh, that to all you have given me, uh, I may give eternal life. So my question to you this morning, who has authority over all flesh? The answer is Jesus. Let's try it again. Who has authority over all flesh? Amen. Who may give eternal life? And what is eternal life? Verse 3, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Pastor Bill shared that However many umpteen times the Lord told them what was going to happen. And even Jesus himself said they believed it. But then later, they have little faith. They have an issue. They have a problem. Because we're going to read about it and talk about it in a few minutes. But he does what he says he's going to do. And they seem confused about it. Now with all the teachings of Jesus as a backdrop... And with all the things he has told his disciples that was going to happen, I want us to stop for a moment, and I'd like us to put ourselves in their shoes. Um, We have the luxury of the Word. We have the luxury of the Holy Spirit. And maybe luxury is not the right word, but I think you understand what I'm saying. We have the privilege to know the book and know the ending. The disciples did not. In fact, they had perhaps heard all their life that the Messiah would come to set their nation free. That God would indeed send the chosen one that would come and lead the nation Israel against their oppressors and free them. That the Messiah would arrive like a king, destroy their enemy, and set up his kingdom. Since they were little boys, this is all they've heard. There's going to be a Messiah. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's the teaching that they got. Someone's coming along to get us out of this mess. And they have that in their mind. And even with their mind, I visualize they're seeing the Lone Ranger come. And rescue them and protect them and take care of them. And get the bad guy and, and take care of them to the good guys. And all their life they have this to deal with. Then all of a sudden, in their lifetime, they hear about a man who can do miracles. A man who can heal the sick. And they begin to travel with him and they witness this very man. In fact, even before that, they hear someone's coming from John the Baptist. And then they begin to travel with him and they witness this very man calm the wind and the waters to the point when they say, What manner of man is this that the wind and the seas obey him? And then they watch him walk on water and bring the dead back to life. And they witness miracle after miracle. So many miracles that this says they weren't even able to record them all in writing. Are you listening? Do you understand? I mean, can you imagine trying to keep up with him? I mean, in droves, they're coming to him, and he's healing them, and he's healing them. That's who he is. He has healing in his hands. 
And they watch him ride into Jerusalem on a colt with the adoration of thousands shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the King of Kings. And you know that their chests are puffed up because they're with the man. You know, it'd be like the entourage you see with the president riding around thinking they're someone. And these guys are no different. They're excited. Their king is coming. And he's coming into Jerusalem and he is going to straighten things out. They watch him agonize in the garden, believing that, that the time must be now because, after all, look at him. He's praying to the Father. He has drops of blood, of sweat coming out of him. This must be it, boys. This is the time. Surely he is preparing for this battle that we're going to have. And now, and now they see the soldiers come and arrest him. Put yourself in their shoes. Lone Ranger, something's wrong. The soldiers come to arrest him. And they think to themselves, man, these soldiers are in for a big surprise. Uh, we can't wait until he uh, calls the legions of angels to dispatch the soldiers and perhaps even cast them like swine over a cliff. They've seen it. But wait, what's this all about? He's not doing anything. Wait a minute. He's just letting them arrest him. Why isn't he fighting? In fact, when we fight, he tells us not to. I don't understand. What's this about? Not doing anything. And then they get to the point where they go, oh, no, run for your lives. Every man to himself. Huh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would be going through their minds? Even as he's telling them what he's going to do, it's like, and even Peter says, oh, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to fight for you. This is not going to happen like you're saying. I mean, they're telling the Lord it's not going to happen, but he's telling them this is what's going to happen. He's going to predict his hanging on a cross. He's going to predict himself in a grave, and he's going to predict him rising in three days, and they're going to say, no, it's not going to happen that way. I believed in him all this time. You know, I left my family and my friends and I've followed him and this is what it is. And this is where we are and this is what it looks like. Can you imagine the fear? The feeling of abandonment? Perhaps the feeling that they had of even betrayal? Like, is this guy for real? Did he just, did he just sell us a, a bill of goods, hook, line, and sinker and we fell for it? Can you imagine and let me ask you this morning, how about you? Have you ever felt that way about Jesus? Have you ever put your total trust in him only to have him and only have the circumstances turn into the complete opposite way that you think they ought to be and should have been because after all, you're saved and you know the Lord and it ought to turn out like you think it ought to turn out. Have you ever felt that the Lord perhaps did not do what you expected? And if you're honest, you, you've even had a tinge of feeling that you've been betrayed. It's okay. We're human. It's okay. We feel this way. If you're being honest, bad things happen in our life and we don't understand them and they get turned around and upside down. We, we don't always handle it so well. The Lord told them what was going to happen. They couldn't get their own minds out of the way. They saw the events with their physical eyes. 
They reason things with their own minds, not with the mind of Christ and not through the lens of the Spirit. And we too are guilty of this very thing. We have, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the Spirit residing in us. Jesus promised. He said, I will send Him. Do you believe what He said or not? And we're guilty of this very thing. In reality, the disciples couldn't surrender their own way of thinking and put their entire trust in Jesus. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't get there. They had in their minds what was going to be. After all, they've been told all their life the Messiah is going to come. He's going to rule and reign right here, right now. In fact, they're fighting over who can be on his right and left, even when he gets to glory. But certainly when he rides into town, they're probably doing the same thing. But glory to God. Glory to God. He has sent his spirit. And we're the same as the disciples, when we want things our way, we're the same that we have the particular mindset or a vision that we see that we think things ought to turn out a certain way. And I can't explain it. I don't understand why it doesn't. And I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Why, why if there's ten people, why are four healed with cancer, three are fine, and two don't? I don't know the answer. Three don't. But our faith and our trust is in him and what he says and what he tells us and he does what he says he's going to do. Can I share with you this morning that it doesn't always work for us this way. He wants a total surrender from us. Not just a part-time deal. Not just when we happen to think of him or, or, or just do the part. Uh, uh, Jesus, we just want this part of you and no more. We, want, we love our little church and we love the way that we do, but, but Lord, Monday's coming and, and I have work to do. Or you don't know my problems, my family's in, in, in hurt and turmoil and you just don't understand me. So Lord, I'll take you when I want you, but I won't really fully surrender to you because then that means I'm not in charge. No, he wants all of us. As we look back, we're able to see that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. In fact, you cannot find one place in all of Scripture or anywhere else in the world that Jesus said one thing and then did another. Whatever he says is true. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He will do what he says he is going to do. It doesn't always look like we think it should look, guys. We have to trust. We have to have faith. We have to believe. He said this, I will die on a cross. I will be raised up from the grave in three days, and I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He prayed to the Father and said, I have lost not one of these that you gave me except the son of perdition, so that Scripture may be fulfilled. He has come into the world to save the world, and he wants to save you this morning. If you are not saved by Christ this morning, do not go another day without that repentant and believing and confessing. And it can happen today right here. For most of us, he's already done so. And Pastor Bill teaches that, are you righteous? And your hand should go up. Yes, I'm righteous because I'm made righteous by him and what he did.
nothing of my work. You can trust the Lord this morning. Some of you are grieving. Some of you are hurting. Things have not turned out like you thought they should. We've had tough times. You, you'll get through them, but it's hard. But he is your God, and he loves you. And Jesus died for you, and he wants to make a way for you. And so as hard as it is, you need to let go, and you need to trust him, and you need to surrender to him, and let the Lord of lords and the king of kings rule in your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.